Hey guys, welcome back to Lords of Order, a DC Doctor Fate fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore, and there are spoilers. You can get feedback to me by leaving comments on bigtimenoise.com slash Fate, the website for the show. The Doctor Fate fan podcast at gmail.com is the email. Pages for Lords of Order are on Facebook and Google+. You can leave comments there, as well as Teal Productions on Facebook. And Twitter, you can tweet Teal Productions, and that will get to me. First off, I want to thank Mr. Kyle Benning for leaving a comment on the posting for episode 84 on Facebook. Kyle says, finally getting around to listening to this episode... With regards to Gotham City on Earth 2, that was quite the hero hangout in the Golden Age. It was also the home of Green Lantern Alan Scott, who was also the head of the Gotham radio station. Since the Big Two and Superman and Batman were just honorary members, in quotes, a title bestowed upon heroes who were plucked from the JSA lineup because they had their own dedicated quarterly series, in addition to their anthology appearances, there wasn't much interaction between Batman or Superman with the other costumed heroes of the JSA. Since Batman wasn't an active part of the JSA and just on reserve status, they didn't cross paths. There especially wasn't interaction between Green Lantern and Batman outside the All-Star Comics title, since Batman was from National Publishing and Green Lantern was from All-American. Thank you, Kyle, for that. A lot of that I am kind of tangentially familiar with. Uh, I, I will go on record as saying I'm not the greatest comic book historian uh, particularly of the Golden Age, because the, the, my reading has just been specifically. Now, 80s and 90s Marvel comics, oh yeah, I can hang in just about any conversation with that stuff, because I grew up reading that. But the Golden Age is just stuff that I have gathered as I, as I have uh, cherry-picked what I have read. So a lot of what you're talking about sounds familiar, particularly the competing companies there. Um, eventually, they would all come very fluidly under one banner, which is obvious now since DC publishes all of these characters. Um, But I I was aware there in the recesses somewhere that we're dealing with different publishing companies, so the chances of interaction at that point were very, very slim, if any. All right, now this episode I have lined up to uh, share with you guys and to give my thoughts on More Fun Comics issue 86 from December 1942. Scripted by Gardner Fox, penciled, inked, and lettered by Howard Sherman. It's the second story in that issue, and it's entitled The Man Who Wanted No Medals. And this has been reprinted, the story, in the Golden Age Dr. Fate archives that DC put out in 2007. So we open with the narrator telling us, Fame, honor, fortune. These are some of the things men want, the things men fight for. And when Dr. Fate meets a man who spurns all three, when he sees this man turn his back on all that the world offers, he knows that here is a mystery worth solving. But it needs all his skill and all his magic powers to foil a gang of vicious criminals and thus to drag the secret from the man who wanted no medals." And the uh, half-page splash page where this narration is included is a picture of the half-helmeted, no-caped Dr. Fate standing above the Weatherby Free Clinic, um, dictating the movements of five men 
via marionette strings, like he is the puppeteer and they are his puppets. Um, a- after having read the story, I'm, I'm not sure why Dr. Fate is pulling the strings, but that's the way he's depicted here. So we open up inside said clinic, the Weatherby Free Clinic, and we have Dr. Nelson. Um, well, Dr. Nelson, he's an intern right now, but he's being referred to as Dr. Nelson, helping people. Uh, someone he's he's being buzzed by the um, manager, um, um, Dr. Roland is his name, the the overseer of the clinic, and Dr. Nelson keeps working, helping people rather than answering this summons by his boss, which is who he turns out to be. Finally, when he has seen to everyone that is there needing help, he he takes care of the more uh, political side. Right of his job, going to his boss, saying what the boss wants, what can we do, sir? You know, that's almost the way it feels. But he goes to him, and the boss, um, and I, I hadn't noticed this in in previous issues. And he's only been working at the clinic for one or maybe two before this. But the O R uh, uh, diphthong in in words, this. Dr. Rowland pronounces A-I-R-E. Air is the, is the diphthong. So I, I'm supposing that means that we are supposed to envision him or hear him in our head as we read this as having an accent. I'm not sure. Maybe that's a French accent or I guess it could be an Italian accent. I'm not sure. But here he is talking to. He says, ah, here you are at last, Dr. Nelson. That's very hard for me to do without sounding goofy. Uh, and it happens every time he he uses a syllable, as I said, with the diphthong "or." Um, so he he is foreign in some way. Uh, later on, he says, "In honor of your great side, H O N A I R E." Kind of funny when I first read it. I was like, "What does that mean?" And also, I noticed uh, that Inza in this issue is Karmer, not Kramer. So that's a a back and forthy kind of thing that goes on throughout these Golden Age appearances. Uh, it's the same woman. Um, I believe her first appearance, if if we can recall all the way back, was Kramer. Uh, but due to lack of, uh, shall we say, oversight, there are times that she's referred to, and I've made reference to them before, as Karmer, C-A-R-M-E-R, Inza Karmer. So the uh, Dr. Roland has invited Dr. Nelson to appear at a banquet honoring the great... Dr. Lawrence. Um, Nelson got the invite because he is the best of the interns at the Weatherby, and so Roland felt it appropriate to invite him, and Nelson, of course, invites his number one gal, Inza. Uh, They're always a couple, so they go to this, and the gentleman there, Dr. Lawrence, is being presented with uh, recognition, and he he, uh, puts off the recognition. They're presenting him with a medal of some sort. And he does not want the medal. As a matter of fact, he uh, declines the medal and just leaves. Well, this is very interesting. Then we find out the next day in the newspaper headline that um, Dr. Nelson reads that Dr. Lawrence has disappeared. So Kent with Enza changes into his Dr. Fate togs, half helmet, no cape. Dr. Fate. Um, it, it's interesting over over time how his outfit will change just with with no notice or no mention of 
the fact that he's trying to do something or, or anything. The Now, the helmet, I understand we, that that has been explained to us. Uh, but the cape, what, uh, you know, I, I don't understand why all of a sudden, I guess the artist Sherman got tired of drawing the cape all the time. I don't know. It, it's hard to say, but uh, sorry about that. Um, Dr. Fate uses his uh, crystal to try to locate Dr. Lawrence, and he finds out that, yes, apparently he is in our dimension. He's, he's here, and he's in a small town in Illinois. Uh, outside of Chicago. So Dr. Fate runs like he does through the air, you know, run, fly, propels himself to a uh, small house that is labeled Dr. Lawrence and Dr. kind of hard to make out, Canning, perhaps? Yes, here it is in the text, Dr. Canning, uh, both of them at this residence. Um, And Dr. Fate spies on him and sees that he is exchanging his, his medical expertise for, in this instance, a patient is trading him a peck of tomatoes in exchange for medical services, curing him of his uh, rheumatism. Fate decides he's going to barge into the house to see what's going on because he realizes that Canning is a country doctor. Uh, That's why the exchange of uh, goods for services here. Whereas his assistant, Dr. Lawrence, Fate says is one of the five best surgeons in the country. He could earn thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars for what he's doing, but yet he's out here in the middle of nowhere, in the country somewhere, exchanging goods for his services that that could make him a very wealthy man. So uh, Fate feels that that is not uh, apropos, I guess you could say. So he's going to go in and see, but right as he gets up the door, right before he would enter, he hears alarms and gunshots and goes to the sounds because he knows from experience that those are bad sounds, alarms and gunshots. And he sees a car rushing off um, from some near do well nefarious kind of thing, a bunch of thugs in the car, and one gentleman in the back with black hair and a white stripe down his, his, uh, his hair. And Dr. Fate follows him. They try to to shoot him with gunfire, but the bullets bounce off. Ultimately, though, one of the bad guys in the back of the car pulls out a a gas gun. Uh, They recognize Dr. Fate, and I guess they had the gas gun in case Fate specifically showed up. Although, seeing as how he's over in Gotham slash New York, and they're all the way over in Illinois, I don't know why they would be expecting Dr. Fate, but they were prepared just in case. Uh, fortunately for them, I guess you could say. So they gas fate with some sort of anesthetic that knocks him out, and the the car gets away. Some bystanders come, uh, help him up. After clearing his head, he decides that he will go back to check on his uh, doctor acquaintance, Dr. Lawrence. Meanwhile, the thugs in their car have rushed to a doctor's office. Which doctor's office, may you ask? The office of Canning and Lawrence. To get their leader, who is the Stripe, I believe they call him, looked at because he got shot in the ensuing melee there. So they're there to get help. They get the local doctor, Canning, because they know that he is that town's doctor. They knock out Dr. Lawrence because he's the new face. So not only in um, 
cutting down the number of targets that they have to keep up with. They know that one is definitely the doctor. Don't know about the other dude, so they take him out. Bash him over the head with a uh, glass of uh, the glass, a bottle, a glass bottle of some sort. So they run off with the Dr. Canning to take care of their leader. Fate arrives on scene with with a very oddly drawn... The, the half-helm looks really weird on him because it's just below the bridge of his nose, or actually it's on the bridge of his nose, and just where the eyes are in the helmet. I have a really hard time believing that those correspond to the eyes of the skull because that would be a really freaky-looking skull if dude did not have the mask on. I'm, I'm just saying. I'll throw that out there. He awakens Dr. Lawrence, finds out what happened, realizes that in the ensuing struggle that in taking Dr. Canning out, the bad guys spilled medicine uh, containing valerian. And he can smell valerian. So he doesn't have his crystal or anything like that to track with, but now he can track with his nose because he can smell the valerian. I didn't know he could do that. Okay, so anyway, whatever is necessary to progress the story, right? To move it forward. So now Dr. Fate has a new power. It is the power of the bloodhound, shall we say. He follows the valerian. And I apologize. Now that I've said that three or four times, I realized I didn't even look that up to see what in the world that was. I have no idea what that is. Finds the hideout where the um, thugs have taken the doctor, saves the doctor because the leader dies and they blame the doctor for you know hesitating, not getting there soon enough, even though they captured, they kidnapped him. So what could he have possibly done? But just as they're about to shoot him, Dr. Fate jumps in the way. Of course, he's impervious to bullets at this point, so they don't harm him. He takes out the thugs with um, quite a few quips. Allow me to operate. I'll have to put you to sleep, of course, as he punches one guy. You work too hard for you. I prescribe rest in bed as he knocks another guy off and out and he, he collapses on a bed. And for you, be sure to drink plenty of water as he throws another guy out the window to a fountain, into a fountain outside. Um, Dr. Canning in the tussling around, gets shot now. He, he was shot, uh, probably the bullets ricocheting off Fate, but it could be that um, Fate did not block all of the bullets that one got by him somehow and managed to strike the doctor. So now Dr. Canning is hurt. Fate picks him up, rushes him to the doctor's office where Lawrence is, asks Lawrence for help, and he tells Dr. Fate, I can most certainly do that, but we need a special heart stimulant, and we don't have any in stock to help Dr. Canning until I can finish the procedure. So Fate rushes out, goes to a local um, medicine supplier. What does he say here? He doesn't say, so we don't know what this is. He just goes somewhere that has lots of bottles of drugs. The man recognizes Dr. Fate, is very uh, eager to help him. Dr. Fate scoops up the money, uh, the money, excuse me, the medicine that he needs, um, heart stimulant, gets it to Lawrence. He assists Lawrence in operating Dr. 
operating on doctor landing um, assists physically. Scalpel, here's scalpel doctor, you know, that kind of assistant, like a nurse would, uh, uh, an OR nurse. So they finish up. Uh, everything is going to be okay with Dr. Canning. But now, in a quiet time, Fate has an opportunity to talk to Dr. Lawrence and ask him, what in the world are you doing out here in the middle of nowhere, plying your trade for nothing? And we find out that Lawrence is the son of Canning. And brilliant though he may be, he knew his father was in a frail way, went back home to help his father. Those things that they were trying to recognize Lawrence for were things that Canning had done, really. Canning did not want that type of notoriety. Lawrence, when pressed, did not want that type of notoriety because it was not him. It was his dad. So neither one of the men wanted to take credit for the good things that were being done, and so no one was. Well, in fate explains that, you know, it's only fair that you be willing, basically, to accept things in the manner in which they are given by people. Allow them to show their appreciation for them. It helps them. It's not going to hurt you, more than likely, but it helps them. And after all, is that not what doctors um, strive to do, is to help people? So the very final panel, we see uh, Dr. Canning somewhere accepting accolades for his great discoveries. He is, um, the gentleman tells him, Dr. Canning, in honor of your great discoveries, I present this gold medal to you to whom it rightfully belongs. So this may well have been the gentleman at the very beginning of the story. Uh, the art in my copy is a little hard to distinguish, so we'll go with that. He went back to that original awards ceremony, and uh, they redid it to be able to give Dr. Canning his reward. In the end here, the narrator tells us Dr. Fate's daring adventures are a prescription for thrills and excitement in the next issue of More Fun Comics. For your answer to the problem of what to read, try Dr. Fate. And so, so there we go. Um, that, the half-helmet at one point that Sherman drew, it, it looked really, really odd. And if you guys can see that... Um, through a reprint, or if you have this copy, take a look at that. Um, it was one of the more poorly rendered helmets I've seen Sherman do. It, it looked really weird on on Kent Nelson. All right, so, oh, quick note. Uh, last episode, I said that I would be talking about Young All-Stars issues 3-9 and the first annual. Nah, not really. There were no significant Dr. Fate appearances in there. They're listed merely because his face is present on a panel or two here or there. So it's, I guess it qualifies as an appearance, but not for what I want to do for this show. So, nah. Next issue that we will talk about is All-Star Comics 14, which does have a genuine Dr. Fate appearance. Um, Much like this More Fun Comics issue did, by the way. So... That is what I will be talking about next time. And with that in mind, I will talk to you guys next time. Ciao. Lords of Order is a Teal production. And as such, is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, non-derivative, 3.0, unported license.